Today in the Multiplied Podcast, we're continuing our conversation about leadership with the CEO of Armored One, Tom Chiz. Check it out. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multiply Podcast. My name is Jared. My name is David. We're glad you're back and with us on yeah. a part two, a very a very special part two episode. Yeah. If you didn't hear the last episode, which was with our friend Tom Chiz, who is the CEO and founder or co-founder of Armored One, you really need to go back and listen. What's uh, wrong with you? What that's you what we need to say. Oh, to I thought you were asking me what's wrong with me. <laughs> well, that's a separate I question. I thought we were about to have a little, a little tiff on air. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be our first. Yeah. So um, go back. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, honestly, like just um, I've known Tommy my whole life, but he shared things I, I hadn't really known before and shared experiences and insights that were just like really gripping. And, and I think important for leaders to hear about what is it, it really set us up well for this episode, yeah. because if I were to summarize last episode, Tommy really shared his journey and sort of the problem that he observed in society and in our country uh, that compelled him to really do something dramatic. And we're going to talk about what he did in this episode, starting a company and um, and what he's and just learn more about the culture of his company and how do you create culture within a company. But man, uh, Tom, we want to welcome you back. Normally we banter more, but we just so want to give you time. And uh, thanks for taking the time to be with us for a second episode. I know Jared is hard to deal with twice. <laughs> I agree. I did ask you, Dave, if we could have the second episode without Jared. You told me yes, and I realized too at this point that senior pastors do lie. So is that why the door was locked when I came back into the office? <laughs> is that who was knocking when I, when I started? Unfortunately, Jared runs all the technical stuff, so it <laughs> you wouldn't have gone. You can't very do well. this without me. <laughs> I do want to know how he is doing since the uh, Patriot Buccaneers lost the Super Bowl. How is he holding up to King Patrick? Oh, winning man. it's been a rough it's, yeah. it's been a rough a lot of mourning and if and Jared, if, Bra- I, if brady did win and you're listening to this and you're wondering why tommy doesn't know what's happening it's because we're pre-recording <laughs> <laughs> i will i will say though i hated hated tom brady because i am a peyton manning diehard fan and those two he i will i will give you credit jared that uh, Tom Brady is the GOAT. He is the best I've ever seen. I've got a lot of respect for the guy, but despise him at the same time. And, Don't give Jared uh, any he, credit. He, he literally really, had nothing to do with it. <laughs> he really – you didn't help him? I thought you were his I, uh, I feel like arm I have. massager and shoulder massager. Nope. I would. Prayed for him a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like Dumb and Dumber, the oil boy. Get him ready for the game, Jared. Hey, Get him ready. Gladly. I'd do whatever it takes. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me back on, guys. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, and I love being a part of what you guys are doing. Thanks, Tom. Before we even jump into this conversation, one of the things that you've started to do recently is you have a podcast, and I listen actually uh, to your interview recently with your dad, and I just loved hearing your your dad's story and just you guys kind of going back and forth with each other and you making fun of him. Uh, that was a lot of fun too. But tell us a little bit about the podcast, how we can find what it's about, and how we can uh, how we can find it. Definitely. Uh, it was something I didn't want to do. My, my marketing team told me I had to do it to validate a lot of what we say and what we do and bring on guests that are, are validating what we do as a company and um, our expertise. So I give you guys a lot of credit because people listening to podcasts, it's not as easy as just calling and interviewing. Uh, it's a very difficult process and you guys are great at it. So I'm learning a lot today too, being on with you guys, but our, our podcast there is uh, one step ahead and it, it literally is a storytelling of, 
uh, overcoming adversity into uh, success. And it could be just regular life, uh, business owners, experts. Um, you know, we hit quite a bit on the beginning on PTSD and some of the issues and then some experts from Active Shooter that came on. But I uh, appreciate the plug there. And uh, if you're looking to be as entertained as you are on this one, you're probably not, but you're going to get some some decent info from it too. So Yeah, and if you're looking for it, uh, it's called One Step Ahead. You can find that on Apple Podcasts and I'm sure all the other places that people listen to podcasts. You can also go to the company website, Armored One dot com a r m o u r e d o n e dot com and then at the top there's a podcast link so you want me i'll share a funny story with you guys dave too yeah. for the armored one name um you know we'll, i guess we'll jump jump right into it from the last episode we we got our start you know after we talked about on the last episode about sandy hook and i had owned a few businesses which we'll, we'll touch on here in a little bit but owned a few businesses prior and had just sold them was done done being a business owner cop and wanted to focus on my police career. And then God hammers me with this, that you've got to do something. So Armored One gets a start and I call my business partner, Tino, who was in marketing at the time, younger guy than me, seven years younger. And I call him up and our joke was always, we're going to do business together. If I ever go into business, you're going to, you're going to join me. You'll do the marketing. I'll be a cop too. And I can't do this alone. And I bring, I bring Tino on. And that dummy said yes, the night of the Sandy Hook attack. Um, I called him. He didn't talk to his wife, now ex-wife. They only lasted about six months after me asking him. So proves you can't be with Tom Chiz and your wife at the same time. Um, but I called Tino and I said, are you willing to do this? Are you watching the news? And Tino said, yes. Didn't talk to anybody again. And uh, we started Armored One, but we didn't we didn't have the name yet. We started the company that night. And over the weekend, he was jumping in my police car. I was working overtime shifts. And he was jumping in the police car doing ride-alongs with me. And we're discussing discussing how the business is going to work. I mean, he's a marketing guy, has no clue about active shooter, nothing, like no idea. This is jaw dropping for him. And at the time, he was 26, 27, so no kids, just recently married, and he's watching the news, and his jaw's dropping, his heart's breaking. What can I do? And so now I'm going over. These are the experts. I've got Navy SEALs. I've got Delta Force guys. Physical security. We could do assessments this way. Training. And we're like, we got to come up with a name we got to come up with a name. And he's like, we couldn't come up. We're throwing all these different names. And the, and the thing is, is I've learned from business. Don't limit yourself, whatever your, your idea is and your concept, don't be David's pools. Like then people, when they're looking for hot tubs, are not going to find David's pools or, right. you know what I mean? You're limiting yourself. You could be David's pools and patios. And then all of a sudden you're great at pouring concrete. You're David's pools, patios and driveways and parking <laughs> lots. And you know what I mean? It no, just, it's it, good advice. It pigeonholes yeah. you. So, I knew not to pigeonhole us into like uh, a name of Tommy's glass. You know, we're not going to do that. So we're throwing around names. We couldn't come up with a name. We're stuck. And then Tino, I said, he's, his good thing is, is creating websites and designs. And he says, I've got this awesome logo. He knows, he knows I'm a Christian. I, I like to say I'm that ragamuffin Christian. I got the bad mouth. I've got, I, I am the epitome of a sinner that when God says he dies for the sinners, he died for me. Mm. And uh, I appreciate that with Jesus because I don't deserve his grace or his love. And, but people that know me know that I am firm and I'll, I'll tell everyone I'm a Christian. I love God. He has saved me. And uh, Tino knows this. And at the time, Tino wasn't a Christian either. He ends up getting saved later on. But Tino saying to me, I know, I know that faith is very important to you. Faith is very important to you. And I remember in Catholic church, um, you know, the shield of God or something like that. Cause we kept coming up with the names like shield or, but it was very generic and cheesy. It's kind of, 
you know, kind of like the, the people who do the health food stores and they come up with uh, the names that everyone uses. I um, don't know why I'm having, having a, a blank on these, but you go out and you see the same shake shops and things like that. Yeah. Every, well, kind of like churches, you go to a church and, <laughs> and they're, they're named, there's 18 word of life. There's 18 trinities. There's 18, you know, you go around yeah, and Calvary, churches name yeah. themselves, right. They're all the same. And it's that kind of, I didn't want that. I'm like, what can we come up with? And Tino shows me uh, the shield that is the representation of armored one. And I'm like, I love it. Yeah. I said that, that verse, what you're thinking of is putting on the full armor of God. Mm. So we're like armor, let's do, let's do like armor. And we started naming different things and we come up with the name armored one. Then we go on to, now we're going into GoDaddy and we're trying to find the names and Tino's there searching and we're throwing out all these different names, website taken, website taken, website taken. And uh, Tino says the one that's not taken is armor, uh, armored one, like the European. And I'm like, European, that's the biblical, like, that's God saying, take it. I'm like, buy it hmm. now. I think it was like nine ninety nine or something for the year. I'm like, get it. If we change it, we'll change it, but buy it now. And I said, let's be armored one with the shield. And I don't know. I don't know why. And I said, let's do like staying one step ahead that armored one, staying one step ahead with the shield, man, it is badass. Am I allowed to say ass on your, <laughs> you just did. All right. Well, Jesus did ride on an ass and got off it. He did. They did. Yeah, beep it out, but have them check scripturally. In our family growing up, being a pastor's kid, if dad said a swear word from the Bible, we were allowed to say it for the whole day. That's a good word. The whole day. <laughs> so we would, on a Sunday, we would wear that word out like crazy. So he limited on what he would say that came out of scripture, the old King James Version. Yeah. But uh, we took Armored One and... That staying one step ahead is truly what we are. And we're, we're going to hit on even that as a business, Dave, because our pre-talks are of how do you stay a, ahead of the competition and every that truly is we're, our goal is to stay ahead of the shooter, stay ahead of the enemy, prepare for the prepare for what could happen. That way we're not reactive, be proactive. And that's Armored One, that name, you know, when you're spelling it out, I love hearing it. And people don't know that it literally was like a go daddy nailed it for us. And they're like, take it. Oh, yeah, I'll take it. That's. That's exactly and under and people have such a hard time spelling it too. Under Armour people, come on, go to Under Armour. It's A R M O U R. It's the same as us. I don't want to hear the complaints that you couldn't <laughs> find us because there was a U in there. Please. Yeah, actually, while you were talking, I, I out of curiosity, I I searched armoredone.com, searched the other or spelled the other way, and you guys got that too. Yeah, we stole it after a few years. They yeah. finally let it lapse, and we we grabbed it, and we could That's have smart. been Armored smart. One without a U. No, but but th we. Either we way they get own to a you. ton of close. Yep. We own a ton of close to yeah. armored one. That way it redirects for business owners. You, you got to start buying everything that, because the competition will do that to you. Sure. So if someone goes to their website, they can learn a lot about what you guys do. You do a lot of training. Um, you obviously create product, you install, and I don't want us to bog down too much on what you guys do. Cause that's all online. They can find that. And most of our listeners may not be primary customers for you guys, although if you are a pastor in a community that has a relationship with a school, this is something that, that you should try to bring to your school district and make them aware of what Armored One does. Um, I, I am more interested for this conversation on the way in which you've created the culture within your organization. And, and off air, you mentioned that you have a connection with Dan Cathy from Chick-fil-A. And yep. I just had a conversation actually two days ago with uh, the director of people and culture at the local Chick-fil-A's in Syracuse, and awesome. which is an awesome title name. I kind of wish I could get that title name at some point. <laughs> actually, I feel like all leaders do have that title, don't they? They are the directors of culture. Um, yep. But speak a little bit in your experience 
to the importance of company culture, maybe things you've learned being around Dan Cathy and other great leaders. Uh, let's start there, and then we'll move more into the unique culture of Armored One. Yeah, definitely. So I want I want people listening, if, if you own a business – if you own a business, you're thinking of owning a business and you're a Christian, you need to own it, especially nowadays. Um, it's a huge witness to people. It's a huge uh, draw to people to understand your morals, your ethics, and that you're doing – the big thing too is when you honor God through what you're doing, man, the reward is incredible. Um, and I would say our first three years or so, we did not we did not push like crazy to make it that this is a God-centered company. And my thought was, is we're fighting the enemy. You know, I know that we're a Christian-based company, but um, we really had a change in culture, which has been great. And we have a lot of non-Christians working for us, but every one of them that work for us respect that we're a Christian-based company, that we love God. We have Bible studies weekly at Armored One, people getting saved at Armored One, which is what I love in the Bible studies. We have monthly uh your friend and my cousin, Josh Chiz, he's a mm-hmm. pastor, he's a chaplain for police departments, will come in and do a few songs of worship and lead a, a big uh, entire where we shut down the plant for an hour and a half. And everyone, whether you're Muslim, not a Christian, an atheist, they have the opportunity if they want, they can go to it and they don't want. And typically everyone goes to it because they want the coffee, they want the donuts, and they want to feel like part of the family. So it's a great way to witness to all of them. Yeah. Um, but the creating that culture of, of who you are, we really grasped it about three years in that if we're doing anything, we're honoring God. We might not be a successful business, but we're successfully going to let people know that that we love God and we're doing this because we feel called to do it. I, I look at someone like uh, President Trump, and I, I know there's all sorts of, I hate Republicans, I hate Democrats going on right now. I don't care about any of that. I'm looking at President Trump as former president and business icon, billionaire, I got to meet him when he was president. I got to, to sit with him for about 20 minutes and talk about Active Shooter and what we're doing, but also from a business standpoint of myself being able to, to talk to a man like that, I couldn't figure out with all the battles, everything we've been through, we could probably do six episodes, Dave, at some point, but the failures that we've had, the friends and family that I've lost because of owning a business, the pain that you have when you're getting into multi-millions uh, there's an expectation from people and friends that they get a job, they make a certain amount of money that they get. And the, the, the people I've lost, the things I've lost from owning a business has not been worth it for the money. I am not a money driven, you know, we have to make money to grow as a business, to hire the right people. But for me personally, I'm not a money person like that. I don't, I don't envy people that are millionaires and billionaires. So if you don't have a mission, you don't have something set in your heart on why you're doing it. I tell you, don't go into business. And if you're doing it for money, the Bible says that money is going to ruin you. It's true. I know a lot of rich people. I know billionaires. Money will ruin you. But if you're doing it for the right reasons, like a Dan Cathy, he is not serving people chicken. He's a mentor of mine. He's not serving people chicken, man. He is showing the love of God every time you go into a uh, Chick-fil-A. He is showing that Christians care about people. He doesn't want you to come in and have a McDonald's nasty first meal. Uh, and I'm not putting McDonald's down. Man, I love their fries and stuff. <laughs> but you could go to one McDonald's and it's a rock star and you go to the next one and you wouldn't even finish the Big Mac. That's true. You know, mm. it's terrible. The consistency of of a Chick-fil-A, the love of God that these guys show. I'll share a quick story. My brother Jake and Jill, they moved to Atlanta. Uh, this is years ago. They find out that their son has diabetes. They're new to a community and they had never been to a Chick-fil-A. They're having the hardest like week of their life of moving, trying to get into a house, not knowing anyone. 
Uh, my brother is starting a new position at his company away from Syracuse. Their son has diabetes and they go into a Chick-fil-A and somehow the manager and owner sees them and comes up to them and they're trying to order and they're like, we've never been here. We're trying to look and see what we want. And not only does he comp their meal and walk them through ordering it, which my, my brother does really well, so he doesn't need the meal comped, but he did it because he said, I want to welcome you to the South. I want to welcome you to our community. Uh, Atlanta's a great place. Just give it some time and we'll be here. And just remember that you've got loving people here at your Chick-fil-A's every time you can. You talk about a ministry, um, a fact that they love everyone coming in there. They want it that uh, Dan Cathy said to me one time, do you really think people are going? Some people go. Dave and I will go to Chick-fil-A because we're craving it and we really want it. But a lot of times people are getting fast food because they don't have time to sit down and have a meal, make their own food. Mm -hmm. And it's typically an inconvenience that you're eating that way. So he's like, I want to take the inconvenience and make it a great thing for people. And it's his ministry. It's what he cares about doing. It's not about making money with as many chicken. I, I, I'll, one time we were down there, our executive team training with Dan, and Dan's telling us how he's debating. The guy's worth probably 7 or $10 billion. You wouldn't know it, the way he treats you and acts. And he's talking about he mows multiple acres of property at his house and how there's a brand new uh, lawnmower that he wants that's enclosed air conditioning, and it's hot in the south, people. So if you're Central New Yorkers wondering this, like, it's terrible. And the guy has the money to buy this, probably $30,000 lawnmower. And he says, at this moment, God is putting on my heart, this is my money. Is this really how you want to spend my money? I have given you this. This is, I've given you a gift. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to make a difference? Mowing your lawn in a nice air-conditioned lawnmower. And I'm, I'm, the Tom Chiz me, the regular man, is like, my Lord, dude, you're a billion. That's like literally... Uh, dropping one penny six years ago and you're thinking about that mm. penny. Like, it's nothing, but the way that he looks at it is it's an honor that God has given us to mm. me, wow. that I can make a difference, that I can protect people. So if you're doing something just to start a business to be like, I need extra money, good. We'll start crying out to God and saying, what do you want me to do to make extra money? How can I honor you? How can I have something? Because you two as pastors can say, you get to a point of burnout. I know because I've watched it my whole entire life with my father. Any other man or woman would give up where these pastors are at in life. But that mission is to honor God, to lead people to the Lord, to do what he's called you to do. And you don't give up and you push through and God honors that. So as a business owner, you're going to get to a point of burnout. Why am I doing this? Man, I did I did two 90-hour weeks in a row this week. I'm doing 20. No, nope, you can't give up. You can't stop. I'm taking this week off. I'm not doing anything with the business. You can't give up. If it's a mission it's like another living human being that you can't stop dealing with that because they will starve. They will suffocate. It'll be gone. And you know that, and it's finding that balance of that business versus your life. Yeah. Tom, I'm, one of the things that I'm hearing from you as you're describing both your company and also Chick-fil-A and other successful ones is um, that, that they're committed to a mission that's bigger than just the product they sell. And um, for you, it's a mission of keeping people safe, uh, for Chick-fil-A, it's a mission of really impacting people's lives and um, beyond just a chicken sandwich. One of the things I'm interested in hearing, because you've shared with us kind of off air in a little bit, you've referenced the growth that you've seen in your own business, which means um, more employees and um, uh, expanding into new territory and thing like things like that. How do you help um, as you're growing your staff and your team and you're adding new people, how do you help continue a 
culture that is driven for the mission where it's not just you who founded the the company that is committed to the mission, but everybody who's a part of it from the highest level of leadership to the lowest level of leadership buys into what's happening, buys into the mission that, that you started. Um, it's definitely, it's definitely constantly, constantly mentioning what the mission is and why the mission is there. Also putting it in print. I know there's, I wish I was better with the Bible like you guys, but there's scripture that says to write it down and put it into writing, Mm -hmm. you know, lock, basically locking it into a decree. So, where people are walking around our plant, they're seeing our mission all over. They're seeing it on, on our Facebook, on our Instagrams, on our mission is to save lives and protect. That is our, our mission. It's funny. We had a, uh, one of our, a a great guy at armored one get saved this, this week. He's been working for us for three years. Absolutely. He's a, to me, he's a kid. He's younger than my oldest son. So he's been there for a few years, dedicated, um, unbelievable change in his life, not only with God, but with him working at the company. We didn't think this kid, he 100 pounds, we didn't think he'd last two weeks at a business like this. And this kid has been with us for two years. He's one of our go-to people. We trust him. But he gave his life to the Lord, too, uh, last week. And we are, we're saving lives and we're changing eternities now is what we, we started to say around Armored One is really how are we going to impact people forever? Bringing their kids home from school and protecting them will impact them forever, uh, leading them to the Lord. So letting people know your mission, speaking it, saying it. We're opening up meetings every time we talk to customers. Our mission, I am not a glass company. We are a life-saving company that is saving lives. That's what our mission is. I don't care if we're a billion-dollar company. I care that we're saving lives. One of our schools have been attacked. We were able to keep the attacker at bay because of Armored One glass and products and training, and no one was hurt except for that attacker because our mission was pure. Our mission was a calling from God to save lives, and that's what we stand for. So we are constantly hammering that into people during the interviews if you're here dave is interviewing as an accountant i don't want you to know that this is exactly what we stand for we're not a glass company i need you to count numbers and put the beans together for us to make sure that we have money to buy that water jet for four hundred thousand dollars that's your job but your job is to make sure that we whatever we're doing is impacting and saving lives and we are a christian-based company if that offends you during the interview and at the beginning you probably won't want to work here you know if you can handle it we're not telling you you have to be a christian none of that but understand what we stand for, where our morals and ethics align and why we do what we do. And, and people are coming there and they're thriving. We really don't have people quitting armored one. Very rarely do we have, do we sadly have to get rid of people because they don't meet the expectation? Yes. You got to go through a lot of people to get the key people, but we don't have people really quitting because when they're signing on board, they're signing on to the mission. They want to make a difference. They don't want a job that is just a job that makes some money in the same way you as an entrepreneur, want a job that is a mission that's a calling that's something that you want to make a difference with they want to be part of that they don't want it to be tom's mission my ceo's mission is to save lives mine's to make glass for him so he can make money yeah you never you never want that it's 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 um i just was thinking because i know last year obviously with the pandemic you guys pivoted and you started to produce face shields which really in many ways still aligns with your mission of saving lives Exactly. Um, and keeping people well. And I, I know that you, um, you've you started, I think, five businesses before Armored One. And um, I don't know if you would consider them all to be successes or not. But the truth is, is that in leadership and in business, there is failure. And I, I, I can you share with our listeners, like, the role of struggle and failure in becoming the leader you are today? You can be very specific if you want, or just how, how should a leader respond to failure? And how do we create a culture where failure's 
if if failure is the greatest enemy, then we don't take risks, right? And we don't right, go exactly. for it. And so failure is part of the journey. What have you learned through your own struggle and failures? And how have you created a culture where that is not necessarily celebrated, but it's allowed for the greater purpose? So I, I never made it to college. Um, I, I realized later in life that I have uh, dyslexia. Not terrible. My, my youngest son has terrible dyslexia. I have dyslexia. I didn't realize it until later getting tested. I have ADD, which Dave knows, ADHD, a little bit OCD, um, a sepsis compulsive, a little bit, not too bad, but enough that I like the factory and plant very organized and looking a certain way. Um, but college just ended up not being my thing. Getting married very young, I landed a successful job out of high school working at Coca-Cola and bumped up into uh, management at 18 years old and learned there, I'm managing 18 years old, I'm a boss over a 55 year old, it was crazy. Um, so when I became a cop, I took a very large pay cut and I worked midnights and I saw the opportunity to make money. Like I said earlier, don't do a business because you wanna make money because I burned out and I was done. I was, I did very successful summer business of pouring concrete at one point, had 16 employees. So I would work all night finish work at seven, meet the guys at the job site for four or five hours, pour concrete work, take a three hour nap, wake up, take my kids to sports, spend some time with the family, go out and do bids, come back, put my kids to bed and then go back to work. And I did that for years. And I had a concrete company. I think it was five Dave, a closet company uh, doing like a California style closets, driveway ceiling. We made emergency vehicle uh, cabinetry based off of the closets. I sold every company successfully. So I guess to some degree it was successful because I sold them, but every one of them I got rid of because I wasn't passionate about doing it. I wasn't passionate. Mm. I was more trying to supplement income, being a dad of four, husband, a stay-at-home mom working, and uh, police police work, any any teachers, police, any of you, you get paid like trash. Uh, pastors, you too. You get paid like garbage. And I actually had pastors working for me at some points too, pouring concrete. So, you know, we would, you're trying to supplement income is not a passion. It's not a driver. Um, so when I say that I didn't go to college, I ended up learning through my career and working hard. I would say failure is a professor. Um, people look at failures as I'm a failure. I, I didn't do this. I lost, and I can tell you where I've lost millions of dollars at a certain time from wrong decisions. I can promise you, uh, my CFO won't let me forget either. Teresa is a stickler. We lost all of, we lost a $2 million contract because you did X or these people did X. That is your biggest way of learning how to do it right. We have had failure after, you know, I guess for a while there were some things that I was ashamed of. I'm like, I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I hired that person. I can't believe I allowed, you know, I gave control to someone that didn't earn it at that point. I hired someone new. I thought I could trust them here, do all this. And they failed at it and we lost a lot of money or product failures or test failures. And it really is about them earning what they get. But you learn from every single experience that you fail, you learn how not to do it. Mm -hmm. And if you're a big dummy like me, a Pollock, man, you might have to do it two, three, four times. And then, you know, ouch, ouch, ouch. Hey, dummy. Hey, moron. Stop doing that. And then you change the way that you're doing it. So you either embrace those failures and then you start to carry that on too to your leaders and your employees. You know, you, you sit down with someone and you say, you know, Steve, um, well, I shouldn't say I got way too many Steves there. They'll all be like, is that me? Um, 
Don't worry about Ramon, Steve. Don't worry about Steve. Your, your job. Don't secure. worry, Steve. Steve. I think we got four Steves at our place. So wow. Scuba Steve, Steve Zaff. We got a bunch. <laughs> but I'll go. I'll go to somebody like a name Ramon. I don't have a guy named Ramon working for me. You made this mistake, dude. You totally messed up. You should have seen it coming. Totally. Uh, it was almost like it was in the rear view mirror and you saw it catching you and you hit the brakes and let it slam you. Yeah. Don't do that. You know, you can't, this is where the failure is, but how do we fix it? What could you do different? And then after a while, after they, they've made those failures too, they will start coming to you looking for uh, a way to fix before it happens. They'll do the, uh, let me give you a scenario. How would you handle this? And what you start to do as a leader, as they're growing in maturity is how would you handle it? Or this is why I hired you. I hired you to be the problem solver. I know what I do, but I'm not doing your job. I hired you to do your job. There are talents and skills in you that I want you to do it different than me. So I'm not going to give you advice on how to do that. Tell me what you're going to do. And they go through and, and there's been times where my eyeballs almost fall out of my head, like Guinness book of world records. I'm like, no, 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 we're not doing that. Why did I hire you? Um, (laughs) You know, but those are very, very infrequent and those people never work, but you're like, I, I was just in, uh, the other day I was in Charlotte and one of our partnering companies, very large construction company, incredible business guy, um, insane business guy. And he's telling me how he spent a week up in Syracuse with the team training and learning with my key staff, like 12 key people up there. I love your people there. I have never been with a company. He's like 60 years old, you know, owns a multi-million dollar company that works all over Charlotte area. And he's like, I have never been to a company like this, the passion like this, the leadership like this, the humbleness of going to someone and saying, hey, what do I do with this? And they're like, I'm not the guy. This is the girl you got to talk to over here. Come meet Teresa. She is the one that's going to uh, or come meet, you know, they're walking you around the plant. Alicia's going to help you with this. And Scott's going to do, you know, they're very quick to say this is not my lane. I'm not an expert in this. They're not looking for self-gratification of. I'm telling you how to do it. I've, I've seen Tom do this enough that I'm going to give him the, I'll give you the answer of what Tom would say. It's quickly talk to Tom, talk to, uh, talk to Steve, talk to Steve, talk to Steve. Sorry, we got three or four of them. You know, they don't hesitate. Talk to Polly. They will quickly point you in the direction. Go see Maria and she will walk you through exactly what to do with the training. They, they begin to become humble servants and leaders, just like you should be mimicking to them. Yeah. Teach mm-hmm. them. Know as much as you can be well-rounded, but you're not an expert in that field. If yeah. you're, you should know the answer, but you're not the expert. If they're truly looking for expertise, you know, I've met some very important people politically, I guess you could say in my career now of eight years of business because oh, of what we do. Thanks for saying that about us, Tom. We, we thank you. That's humbling. <laughs> well, I was, I was more referring to David, but, oh. <laughs> um, so when you're sitting with the president of the United States, the sitting president of the United States, or uh, Sarah Sanders Huckabee, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and they ask you a question about active shooter, which is my expertise, and I don't know the answer, do you think I want to say to the president, I don't know? <laughs> um, I've had to do that. Like, I don't know, Mr. President. I don't I don't know, Sarah. I'm, I, I said, but I know that I can get you the answer. I know I know the right people to get you the proper answer compared to just the knee-jerk reaction and the wrong response that could cost people their lives. That that truly is what it, it takes to be a leader and to know where to turn to. How to network with other businesses is so key. Mm. Um, reading tons of books. I typically, Dave, your jaw will drop. I am typically reading, and my wife says it's not reading. I married a 
my wife now is incredible, Maria. She runs the training division. She's the president of the not-for-profit one training, um, ten-year school teacher, English teacher. Um, that she laughs at my grammar, the way that I write, the way that I spell, because I am a train wreck. Um, and she will laugh at me on on the ways that I do things like that. But I read over a hundred books a year. And she says it doesn't count as reading because I listen to them on audible. <laughs> so I fight with her constantly that I read this book, but what I do is I'll listen to the book typically at two to three times the speed because yeah. your life is, your life is so busy between six kids, a business with tons of employees. We're all over the nation, thousands of customers. You know, I try to dedicate three hours a day to my life, um, whether it's working out, running, being with my family, whatever I can, three hours of that day that I'm awake to them and also to growing myself, which is the books. So I'll listen to the book at three times the speed. If I hear over 10 things in that, you know, that typical 12 hour book now is four hours. I will go back now and lead, listen to it at regular speed because of the dyslexia. Hmm. I can't read fast, regular speed. The author's reading it to me. I'm reading it and I'm highlighting and writing notes. If I absolutely love the book, I've done that 10 times. And I'll write highlight notes, all of that, sticky notes in it. And I also give those books away to business owners and say, this book really impacted me. This is a book you need to read. Read my notes that I have in there, what I absolutely love. There's times with my employees that I say, you, if you're going to be in leadership, you're going to read boundaries for leaders. You're going to read it because you're not a good leader if you just love your employees and they get away with murder. They're going to be terrible employees. There needs to be accountability. There needs to be an expectation and there needs to be inspection. It sounds to me like, you know, there's three things I heard that you do to create a leadership culture uh, at Armored One. Number one, you model self-development and growth, right? You're not lethargic. You're not set in your ways. You're learning. You're devouring content. You're processing it. Uh, number two, um, you are handing things off to other leaders that you think has quality and can affect their leadership. But also what I loved, what you really said is you've created a culture where people are empowered to lead with expertise in specific areas. No one has to be the expert on everything, sure. but everybody needs to have something to bring to the conversation. You don't have to know the answer, but you need to know who knows the answer, or who might know the exactly. answer. And so I, I love hearing that. I think that's really valuable for our listeners. My two questions left. The next question is, what speed do you listen to my sermons at? Um, typically I'll listen to them at regular speed, but on mute. So <laughs> I, I, that's I've the best way. Such incredible, impactful sermons as pastor Dave Hurtwick. Um, no wonder, oh, his, actually, no wonder his play counts I, so high. <laughs> <laughs> I actually open up six different computers so that he can get view counts really high, all from different IP addresses. Thank too. you so much. Well, and then, uh, man, listen, I, I feel like obviously you and I are buddies, so we could talk a lot, especially if sushi was on the table. Um, but, um, we are out of time on this episode and, and I, it was quick. I know it, it goes fast and I, and I love, um, we got to have you back sometime because I think there's a lot more for us to talk about again, armored one.com, uh, one step ahead podcast, all ways that you can connect with Tom and, and learn more from what him and his company are doing. And if you are out there and you, you're, you're a teacher, you're, you're an administrator in school district, you're a pastor, and you're looking for ways to secure your facility and to even train your people. That is definitely something that Armored One can not just help you with, but they're the experts on it. So, uh, Tommy, as you know, we always have a closing section called David's Eats. And uh, you are, as you mentioned earlier, in a somewhat joking phrase of Polish descendant. Uh, <laughs> Polish ethnicity, and I'm just wondering. Uh, I'm not that familiar with Polish food, and uh, what is your favorite dish from the Polish cuisine? 
My favorite dish, everyone's going to say pierogi is their favorite dish. That is my favorite dish. I want to get people straight right now. The Polacks listening, my, you know, I had a Polish partner from, from Poland in homicide, literally off the boat. And I couldn't understand a word he said, really his name was Rafal. I love the guy, but he's one that is a stickler. If you're eating Polish food, pierogi, there is no such thing as pierogies. There's a pierogi <laughs> and there's pierogi if you're eating multiples. So if you're at a store and they say, Mrs. Pierogies, it is not a Polish person making that food. <laughs> don't buy it. It's some Italian trying to wrap up uh, a ravioli into it. Don't do it. But I, I love uh, Ava's down in, in Salvay, New York. It's been on Food Network. Yeah, man. They have potato pancakes, guamki, uh, gnocchi. They've got but their pierogies there, too. Um, they're very good. They're not the best I've had. The best I've had is through my family where sure. you can fry them. Uh, you put, you break up some Ritz crackers and throw them and you pan fry them and it grabs onto it, man. Interesting. What do you yeah, like inside is. your pierogi? See, um, see how I did that? Yeah, you did. Uh, my, nice. my one pierogi that I like, there's dessert <laughs> ones where I like uh, a cheese and blueberry, like a cream cheese and blueberry as a wow. dessert one, uh, which is delicious. If you Only if you like butter saturating it. And then the other ones is cooked in cooked in onions and i like the old school potato with the farm cheese in it that mm-hmm. you know it's just it brings me back to my childhood my uncle mike making these for us uh he is the best at making them and the whole family makes them like my great aunt kate so and i want to throw out two books real quick too so yeah please Jared, do Jared, i don't know what we're going to call it jared's jared's journal um <laughs> a couple of those things that the breakthrough company and keith mcfarland if you're looking to be that company that is a hundred million, a five hundred million, a billion dollar company. How do you how do you break through to that? Uh, that book is phenomenal. And then Profit First uh, is another one, and I'm having a hard time remember remember in his name. I think it's uh, Mitch. He's a he's a Polak like me. Uh, Profit Mike. First, Mike Mike, Mike, Mike Mikulovich, Mikulovich, something like that. Yep, Mikulovich, and he actually will give you a shout out during it, and he really does. He'll text you or email you. A personal video hey dave thanks for listening to my book and or well me listening but you reading uh that profit first if you're starting a business read profit first because uh dave everyone read it because it is one where you learn that if you don't take care of yourself you're not willing to take the risk to take care of other people so it's good really 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 good stuff but um i look forward to eating with you guys and then speaking with you guys again at some point and uh, would love to return the favor, have you guys on our show, so my listeners can see how bad we are at podcasting by listening <laughs> to you guys. So, thanks, Tom. We appreciate you, man, and uh, we we'll look forward to having you back as well and getting some steaks and Polish food. And I mean, there's so many options now. I'm I'm really hungry, um, but well, this has been a pleasure hearing your story, and um, and we re- really thank you for taking the time. Thanks, Jared. Hey, everybody. This is the Multiply Podcast. We'll see you guys on the next episode. <laughs>